If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 20 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. Today will be a solo rendition of the podcast. Hope to make it a little shorter. The, uh, the past couple episodes, although they were great with uh, Gugabe and Sriram, uh, I'm going to try to cut down the times a little bit. Um, you know, two hours is a long time to listen. So I'm going to try to make this one, you know, uh, an hour, no longer than 90 minutes for sure. And we were going to be talking about UFC Liverpool that happened five days ago in Liverpool, England. And we were going to be talking about UFC Utica taking place tomorrow night in Utica, New York. Uh, we had a card on Sunday and we now we have a card on Friday. A very strange calendar for the UFC this week. But uh, it's nice to get a little fresh uh, breath of fresh air. Having the events on a different day, leaving you uh, to do whatever you want on your Saturday night for a change. But we might as well talk about UFC Liverpool right off the bat. I thought it was a pretty, uh, pretty good card. You know, it was uh, on paper. It wasn't looking like much. Uh, it was uh, pretty uh, un- unappealing matchups in a lot of the cards um, throughout a lot of the card. But uh, it came through pretty well. Uh, we'll start off in the, with the first fight: uh, Elias Theodoro taking on Trevor Smith. Uh, not, not much to say about this fight. Elias. Uh, won a decision 30-27 on uh, three cards. I think a lot a lot of people thought it was closer than that. 29-28 seemed to be the consensus score for most people for uh, Elias or Elias, whatever you want to call him. Um, the uh, He is a ring boy himself, you know, uh, seems to be uh, uh, a, little, a little higher output in this fight for him, but still not a very exciting contest. Moving on, we had uh, Jillian Robertson take on Molly McCann. Molly McCann was actually the favorite in this fight, although she missed weight. Uh, she missed weight, and she was the first fighter in 2018 to be defeated after missing weight. Uh, initially, uh, we thought this is going to be a, a, a sign for Darren Till in the main event, but we won't spoil what happened, but it did not work out in our favor. Um, so Jillian uh, Robertson was able to take Molly McCann down and just totally bully her on the ground. Uh, Molly McCann looked like a, a white belt fish out of water in this fight. Uh, Robertson dominated the first round. Um, McCann looked like she knew she lost the round. Her coaches told her she lost. And uh, Robertson was able to uh, shoot for a takedown again in the second, uh, get her down, get position, and uh, take her back and get a rear naked choke for this one. So Robertson was the underdog in this one, pulled off uh, the upset, and uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting upset, honestly. And, uh, you know, the, the her jujitsu looked incredible, uh, Jillian Robertson. Her control was very good. You know, uh, having a girl that was bigger than her and missed weight, uh, you know, when I say bigger, there's the difference in body composition between these women is incredible. 
Uh, Robertson looks like a, a cut uh, straw weight maybe, uh, but even though this fight it was at uh, flyweight, um, and uh, McCann looks like uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a meatball, uh, maybe a bantamweight featherweight. She's got a, a lot of a lot of extra skin to her, but to put it nicely, and that didn't really matter at all. The the smaller uh, girl was able to, to take her down, control her, and ultimately get the finish in this one. So uh, you know, super high level jujitsu, and that's that's going to be uh, that's going to come into play a lot at the women's flyweight division, especially because of uh, Mackenzie Dern. Uh, you know, uh, she although she is a strawweight right now, she might be headed towards flyweight in the future. Actually, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no I'm sorry. She, uh, yeah, she's a flyweight. She weighed in at 123 for her last fight, though. So it's definitely in the imminent future for her to go up to flyweight. And um, the number one contender, Valentina Shevchenko, is also a dominant force on the ground. So Julia Robertson is a uh, deserving, uh, probably top ten uh, flyweight at this point. Next fight, we had Carlo Petrozzoli versus uh, Brad Scott. Uh, Brad, uh, Carlo Petrozzoli won this fight uh, by split decision, 29-28. And um, Brad Scott, uh, you know, it, this is a pretty pretty good matchup. Uh, Brad Scott uh, won the first round, was able to drop uh, Petrozzoli uh, with a, uh, I think it was a right hand, uh, or Petrozzoli was coming in a little recklessly and uh, maybe like a jumping knee or some jumping attack and Brad Scott actually landed the punch kind of midair and knocked him down so definitely won the first round and uh, but it sort of Petrozzoli took over from there uh, this guy took this fight on short notice and he uh, he looked very very good in this fight had super good striking super composed kickboxing this was just a straight kickboxing match there might have been one takedown at some point in the third round, but straight kickboxing, pre pretty exciting fight for having two, uh, you know, uh, lesser known names, but, uh, Carlo Petrozzoli won that one by decision. Uh, I believe he did win the last two rounds, although it was uh, a close fight. Uh, next fight, Lena Landsberg defeated Jan Gina Manze by a split decision, no, by a unanimous decision, excuse me. Um, super, super boring fight, typical, uh, low-level women's MMA fight where one just presses the other against the cage or takes her down and lays on top of her and doesn't really have much ground and pound doesn't really go for submissions and uh just kind of you know like i said just push it basically laying your weight on the other person which is what this fight was super super boring and uh not much else to say about it in the next fight uh tom Brees defeated uh dan kelly tom Brees was a massive favorite although he was coming off of a pretty long layoff but his opponent dan kelly not the highest level opponent getting pretty up there in age has uh you know been able to defeat some decent competition like antonio carlos jr recently but Brees was way too much and just lit him up on the feet and uh, landed a tko finish in the first round uh, next fight, we had Darren Stewart taking on Eric Spicely. This fight uh, ended by Darren Stewart by TKO in the second round. Pretty uh, back-and-forth fight. Uh, Eric Spicely was able to win the first round, and Darren Stewart was a pretty big underdog heading into the second round, but uh, looked like maybe Spicely gassed out, or Stewart just decided to crank up the pace, and Stewart really took it to him and uh, really beat the shit out of him in this round. Uh, Spicely's face was a mess the next day. It was all welted and swollen shut his eyes were just totally swollen and black yeah so uh, pretty nasty finish by darren stewart there 
Uh, next fight, we had Claudio Silva taking on Nordin Taleb. Uh, pretty hilarious fight, honestly. Claudio uh, Henrique de Silva was, took a three-and-a-half-year layoff for this fight. Nordin Taleb has been pretty active, picking up some uh, victories. Nordin Taleb looked uh, pretty good in this fight, too. He looked like he had uh, Claudio on the feet pr pretty deci uh, decisively. Silva looked very sloppy on the feet and didn't really have much to offer. And then he shot for some takedown uh, and was able to secure the takedown, get him onto the ground. And Silva, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, took over from here and was able to rear naked choke Taleb in the in the first round at 4 minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, pretty funny finish because it was just so pathetic on the feet. Um, Taleb was just dominating him on the feet. And... Um, Claudio Silva was just able to land some sloppy takedown and just get the finish. Uh, funny, funny for both of them. Just they both have their huge gaping weaknesses, obviously. And um, but uh, funny thing about this fight was, uh, in addition to you know how comical it was in the first place, but after the fact, uh, Nordin Taleb thought there was, he thought that said some some bullshit like like the the he was. I don't know, uh, Claudio grabbed his glove, and when he went to complain to the ref or something, he, that's when he cinched in the choke, and then, like, uh, Claudio Silva saw him in, like, the hotel lobby, and was like, hey, good fight, man, or something like that, and he was like, get the fuck away from me, and I was like, I'll fight you right here, motherfucker, and, like, freaked out on him, and, uh, <laughs> major, major issues when you have a problem like that. Honestly, you should be cut from the UFC if you're like that afterwards. You're not a professional fighter if you want to fight the guy you just lost to in the cage, uh, in the hotel. Um, so honestly, you should be uh, cut from the UFC if you're acting like that. And an article was published on it, so I imagine that uh, Taleb might face some repercussions, although it's unlikely with the current state of the UFC. Um, moving on to uh, probably the fight of the night. Oh, no, they didn't award fight of the night, but this was. I think this was probably it. I mean, nah, I don't know. The first the first round was uh, pretty interesting, but the second two were. Uh, the, I mean, the second and third round were pretty lackluster. Uh, Makwano Gamir Kami started off pretty, uh, pretty good in the first couple minutes, was out, uh, outlanding, uh, Jason Knight. I think he actually knocked down Jason Knight at one point. Uh, but then Jason Knight was able to drop Makwan, I believe, twice in the first round and almost cinch in a triangle choke at, in the last, uh, maybe 15 seconds of the fight, but, or the round, but Malcolm was able to, uh, was uh, able to survive until the bell, uh, you know, this is, uh, it could have been a 10-8 round for, uh, Jason Knight, although I think that, uh, Makwan Mirakami, uh, winning the first maybe three minutes of the fight and landing one knockdown of his own in addition to, uh, versus, uh, Jason Knight's two knockdowns and his submission attempt, it was a pretty back-and-forth round, and I wouldn't, uh, say it was decisive enough to, to give a 10-8. Um, and then the next two rounds were pretty much Makwan just uh, controlling uh, via uh, using a lot of wrestling and not much output. Both of them kind of looked uh, a little gassed after the first round was pretty hectic and they kind of just, uh, you know, coasted to a decision after that. Makwan ended winning up on the scorecards 29-28 uh, on two of them, but one judge gave all three rounds to Jason Knight, which is pretty whack. I mean, he did pretty, he did pretty, pre he definitely lost the second. The third round was a little closer, but not really uh an exciting fight there so i understand why they didn't give out any fight of the night um uh next fight arnold allen defeated mads burnell man this was a pretty 
I wouldn't say crazy comeback because because he Arnold Allen wasn't really suffering much damage, although he was pretty much out outclassed on the ground. He was being taken down by Brunel at will, and he was Brunel was holding him there for any amount of time he saw uh, fit, and uh, was going for uh, some submissions, but not not really uh, attacking too heavily. Uh, same with the ground and pound, not really too much of that. Not much damage being done by Brunel, more so control and you know takedowns. But uh, Brunel was taking Allen down for an, uh, the first maybe 10, 12 minutes of the fight. Uh, Arnold Allen was actually 6-1 to one underdog after the second round, after Brunel just smashed him uh, the first two. Or not smashed him, but just utterly controlled him. And in the third round, after shooting some lazy uh, you know, double-leg, single-leg Mads, Brunel gets his, uh, gets his neck snatched by Arnold Allen. And it was sort of like a guillotine front choke modification. It was not really a guillotine because he didn't have his, uh, you know, the, the, his, uh, he had his hands clasped together to get the choke, but it wasn't a traditional guillotine. It was more of a, like a, a front choke is what it's labeled on uh, Wikipedia. But that's a, that's a pretty accurate description of what it was. Um, so pretty good comeback, uh, you know, considering that he was down two rounds to uh, to zero and was probably on his way to losing the third and just looked pretty hopeless at that point. So definitely, uh, definitely a good uh, submission a comeback. But I mean, he's definitely got some work to do on the ground, and you know, Burnell's uh, fight IQ must be just pretty bad after that. Uh, that slip, letting that one slip away. Um, in the co-main event, uh, we had Neil Magny defeat Craig White uh, by TKO in the first round. Just a, you know, it was a pretty big mismatch on paper. Craig White was a regional guy just taking this fight on short notice while Neil Magny's had 15 or so fights in the UFC. So, I mean, Magny was a gigantic favorite. No one really thought Craig White was uh, going to win this one unless it was some fluky knockout of, or some sort. And that did not happen. Magny was able to clinch him up against the cage and land a, a nasty knee where he like oh, he had like a clinch where he was you know holding the back of White's head and just nailed the the knee uh, like you know mo while moving White's head into the knee and his knee coming up and it was just perfectly placed, knocked uh, White down right away. It was a uh, well timed too. You know, there there are some pretty spotty rules with putting your hands on the mat, and uh, Magny did a good job of making sure this Lee was Neagle, and it was a uh, the pretty much a showstopper. He might have landed some ground and pound afterwards, but the fight was pretty much over after that knee. And in the main event, which the uh, the fight that we were also excited for and thinking it was going to be uh, possibly the best matchup of the the year, uh, well maybe or the month at least not the year but uh you know maybe it was a little too good of a matchup because these guys uh fought very very cautiously um i won't say the official scorecards yet but I'll, I'll give my analysis of the fight before i do it so this fight is in liverpool darren till liverpool native for taking on american stephen wonderboy thompson and Darren Till misses weight by three and a half pounds due to some, you know, an ex the excuse was his girlfriend was in the hospital and he had to continue traveling back and forth from the hotel to the hospital to check on her. Um, but, you know, I, that is an excuse. I mean, it's somewhat of a, a valid excuse, uh, but I mean... You still have to make weight. It's pretty uh, uh, important, especially when you're fighting the number one contender, which in this fight could easily lead you to a title shot. Um, it's it's critical to make weight, and Darren Till did not, and he didn't didn't really come too close either. 
uh, Kevin Lee caught a little bit of flack for missing weight in his uh, not a number one contender matchup, but definitely a, a high profile fight against Edson Barbosa when he weighed in at 157. But, you know, 157 seems like a little bit more of a, a rounding error. You know, you cut all your weight and the scale and your hotel was wrong or some some freak shit happened uh, to miss weight by one pound. Um, you know, and he didn't, he didn't get any additional time to cut. You know, uh, if you, you're oh, one pound over, you can uh, spit a few times and take a piss and make make weight. But uh, that he didn't have a chance to do that. But uh, Darren Till missing weight by three and a half pounds, nowhere really close when it comes to, you know, when you're making weight. Um, so that's re- super disappointing to see. The fight starts out, you know, very very cautious. Both of them high level strikers. They're watching every each and every move, uh, you know, with eagle eyes. These guys are just crazy crazy uh, observant, and their eyes were wide wide open the entire time. Uh, Wonder Boy, uh, counter striker himself, uh, not really wanting to initiate exchanges himself. Uh, Darren Till was more of the aggressor in this fight, who was constantly moving the fight forward, uh, aggressing on Thompson. But Thompson was the one who was con- continually moving backwards while landing counter punches. Now, uh, Wonder Boy did not land any significant counters that might have rocked Darren Till, while Darren Till did land a, a, a straight left that dropped uh, Wonder Boy for a short amount of time. Didn't really land flush, it kind of grazed Wonderboy on the back of the head, but uh, it definitely landed and was able to knock Thompson down. Kind of an off-balance, like he was kind of off-balance. It wasn't like a a blast of a knockdown. It wasn't like a super defining knockdown in my mind. Um, I thought that the first three rounds were, again, all five rounds were slow-paced and low-output. But the first three rounds, I believe that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was the one who was landing the cleaner, harder shots throughout the fight. If I'm not, if you're, I'm not talking about octagon control. I'm not talking about Darren Till moving forward and you know, or uh, Wonder Boy moving backwards. I'm just talking about the shots that were landed, and the shots that were landed. For me, I believe Stephen Thompson landed the harder shots in the first three rounds. Uh, you, the second round was very close. I believe one and three were clear for Wonder Boy, uh, and then rounds two and four were close for either one. Uh, I could see giving round two to Darren Till. He did uh, was land a little bit more in that round. I could see giving round four to Stephen Thompson. Um, but the, the most definitive rounds, I believe, were round one and three for Thompson, round five for Till, and then rounds two and four were crowned up in the air. But the official scorecards in this fight had Darren Till winning four rounds to one and three rounds to two. Uh, you know, the three judges on, on this, uh, this, this fight, uh, were three British judges, um, I don't. I don't really understand how that can that can happen. It seems kind of inexcusable to have three British ju- three British international judges, guys who don't judge fights in the United States. Uh, they're they're scoring this contest in the the hometown uh, fighters country. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't really seem too level to me. I mean, I know the UFC doesn't have any control over this. Uh, but I mean, it just doesn't doesn't seem fair. The athletic commission was super biased. Um, I believe so. I'm looking at MMADecisions.com, and out of 683 scorecards submitted, 
Uh, 33% of people have Stephen Thompson winning three rounds to two. 28% of people have Thompson winning four rounds to one. And uh, uh, 19% of people have Darren Till winning three rounds to two. So it seems around... Uh, let's say 82% of, or no, I'm sorry, excuse me, uh, 78% of people believe uh, uh, Wonderboy Thompson won the fight. 22% of people believe Darren Till won the fight. Of the media who scored the fight, we have uh, uh, 10 of them scoring it four rounds to one for Wonderboy, uh, nine of them scoring it three rounds to two for Wonderboy. And three people scoring it for Darren Till, three rounds to two. So uh, it's pretty clear that a judging mistake was made in this fight. Um, there were a lot of people in the sport, you know, a lot of uh, former fighters, fighters, uh, analysts saying that Darren Till uh, won because he was the aggressor, he was moving forward. Um, you know, octagon control is only coming into play when. Uh, effective striking and effective grappling is not is not uh valid so if there was not enough of an argument to to judge who won the round on effective striking or effective grappling that's when they use uh octagon control as one of the scoring factors but it's not uh, some huge factor to say that the guy who's walking forward uh is uh perhaps the one winning that's 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 an old way of thinking of about fights and uh the best in the business john mccarthy came out and tweeted saying it's sad to see so many fighters and so many analysts not knowing what they're talking about when they're talking about these this judging he's like darren or St he said stephen thompson clearly landed the harder cleaner shots in the first three rounds and you know it's it, uh, he didn't really say much else other than that i haven't listened to any of it uh, it was a super super big bummer. Darren Till, uh, you know, both both of them both of them let the let everybody down in this fight. Darren Till did not do nearly enough to to beat the number one contender. He missed the weight. He you know just didn't put himself anywhere near a title shot performance. Um, and then Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know, is is obviously not learning from his shortcomings. Uh, you know, in the first, uh, his first fight with uh, Tyron Woodley, it was uh, scored a draw on the scorecards. Uh, but if you look at the let me uh, look at the scorecards and, and get analysis on uh, the fan results, like I did for. Uh, like I did for the last fight, um, I believe uh, Wonderboy Thompson actually might have won this fight on some people's scorecards, and um, the, you know the, it it just goes to show that his his style of counter striking isn't isn't really working. Uh, you know it, it's it's not necessarily losing him fight. Uh, it might be losing him fights, but it's it's not winning him fights decisively enough. He's uh, he's coming up short a lot. He's getting screwed on the scorecards. Um, yeah, so a draw was the most uh, common result in this in in the first fight, with fifty four percent of people giving it to him. But the second result was uh, Thompson. The second most likely result, twenty percent of people giving it to Wonderboy Thompson, and even more so than the second fight was the first, or even more than the first fight. Excuse me, was the second fight where uh, Woodley beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on the scorecards, but a ton of people had 
Wonderboy Thompson winning. Uh, 58% of people had Wonderboy Thompson beating Tyron Woodley. So, you know, this is the, it could be the second fight. I mean, that fight was for the welterweight title. This fight is, could be for the next welterweight title shot. He, he gets, he gets screwed on the scorecards again because his style just isn't decisive enough to win on this, on judges scorecards. It's, it's pretty sad to see. I mean, you would, you hope that like the, the, the judges would be capable enough and competent enough and you know see what's going on in the octagon to uh, to know what's go uh to how to score the fight but honestly you really can't expect that um with you know how inconsistent judging and rules are in uh in, in mixed martial arts so uh, very big letdown uh on this main event uh again the card was pretty good but uh we had a lot higher expectations for for the main event and it kind of kind of let us down especially with scorecards uh betting wise in this card i did uh pretty pretty great um i had uh let's see claudio silva uh, and the under on the on that fight i believe um, I, uh, cashed in on that one. I had Makwan Amir Kami winning. I live bet him as well. I got that decision. I had an under on Neil Magny's fight. That one won. And, uh, I was three for three on the night. On the last play was, uh, two, 2.5 units on Steven Thompson. A little bit live bet, uh, and, uh, big pre-fight bet. Uh, and that fight, that bet was lost on the, the scorecards. So, pretty big bummer there. Didn't, didn't. Still won a little bit on the on the night, but uh, turned a, a great night into a into a, a decent night uh, very quickly with that event, main event. But um, that'll be enough said for this card, and uh, we will move on to UFC Utica going down tomorrow night. I'm recording this Thursday, the thirty first. Uh, Friday night card, like I said, uh, it's nice to get a, a breath of fresh air having a card on a Friday. Uh, I always like you know just mixing it up. Um, so we will uh, we will start off with this one uh, on the prelims. We got uh, Jared Brooks uh, taking on Jose Torres making his uh, UFC de debut. This fight is a flyweight fight. Uh, Jared Brooks uh, thirteen and one uh, lost his last fight to Davison Figueroa. Uh, and is uh, won his first fight in the UFC over Eric Shelton. Both fights by split decision. Uh, Brooks is a is a pretty great wrestler. He's able to get uh, takedowns in both of his fights so far, but he's kind of lacking in the striking department, and uh, that is why he is uh, you know going to uh, split decision uh, a lot. He you know lost his last fight on split decision after winning the the ground portion of the fight. Um, and, uh, he's taking, he has a tough task in this fight, taking on Jose Torres, uh, or maybe it's Jose Torres, I don't know, with, uh, Jose, Jose, um, who is currently the Titan FC flyweight and bantamweight champion. Uh, I definitely heard about this guy, uh, in the, you know, the regionals, uh, heard his name after his last win, uh, thinking that this was the one to get him in the UFC, and he was correct, um. He has a ton of amateur titles. He's uh, very, very accomplished. Uh, ton of amateur fights. Uh, oh my goodness! Um, Twelve and zero as an amateur. Seven zero as a pro, or six and zero as a pro. Excuse me. Um, so I mean, he's a. Uh, 
no, 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 excuse me, 7-0. So, yeah, 19-0 in MMA, amateur and pro combined. Uh, very, very legit. Let me see if uh, Jared Brooks has uh, has an amateur record by any chance that they have on record. Because, uh, I mean, you know, those 12, uh, he, he does. He uh, also has a very accomplished amateur record at 12-0. So, um, both of these guys are uh, much more experienced than, than their uh, their records indicate. So, this fight should be a, a, v a very good matchup. Uh, you know, and uh, the odds currently are standing at uh, minus 165 for Jose Torres, plus 155 for Jared Brooks. Uh, so it's a pr pretty close line. Jose Torres opened at much, much more of a favorite, and it seems like people have actually bet a little bit on Jared Brooks, thinking that, uh, thinking that he could give uh, Torres a, a tough fight, which he probably is in this one. Uh, he's uh, been in the UFC before, uh, twice before. Uh, although uh, Torres is making his debut, so um, it's, it definitely seems like the the lines are reflecting the UFC experience. But uh, this is a, a very good flyweight uh, fight, and I'm looking forward to this one. The next fight is going to be a bantamweight uh, fight with, featuring Johnny Eduardo taking on Nathaniel Wood. Johnny Eduardo's record is 28 and 11, although uh, a lot of his fights are outside of the UFC. He has uh, been in UFC for almost seven years, but has really, really struggled with activity, having only six fights in seven years. Um, you know, only fighting once in the past, uh, once per year for the past four years. And uh, his opponent, Nathaniel Wood, is uh, making his UFC debut in this one. He is a uh, Cage Warriors veteran. And um, he is a uh, much, much more active than uh, his opponent, uh, Johnny Eduardo, in this one. His... Uh, his last fight was as recently uh, he's uh, as recently as March, um, and uh, he is the uh, bantamweight champion at Cage Warriors. Has defended his title a good amount of times against pretty legit competition coming from you know all over Europe. So uh, it seems like this fight w w might be a, a very winnable debut for N Nathaniel Wood, and uh, you know it, with uh, um, the inactivity of Wardo, you uh, really never know. But that that's a uh, you know, you might be fooled by the uh, activity in this one because last week we had a, a match where there was a very inactive fighter and uh, 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 Claudio Henrique de Silva when he was off for 3.5 years. And, uh, you know, that could have been why he was such a massive underdog in that fight. And he ended up uh, winning that fight um, in the first round. So uh, Nathaniel Woods currently stands at minus 270 uh, while uh, Johnny Eduardo is at plus Two forty, uh, two forty eight. Uh, Nathaniel Wood uh, opened minus two sixty in this, so I mean it's it's the line is uh pretty close to where it opened at. Uh, but it seems like uh, everyone is pretty high on Nathaniel Wood making his debut, and uh, people might be fading uh, Johnny Eduardo for uh, being you know having so many fights and uh, his inactivity problems and his age getting up there as well. So, uh, seems like Nathaniel Wood's fight to win in this one. Next fight, we have Jessica Jag Aguilar taking on Jody Escobar. Uh, Jessica Aguilar is at a ripe age of 36 at 19 and 6. Her record is um, kind of struggled in the UFC so far. I mean, although she's fought some pretty stiff competition, her debut was against Claudia Gadalia in Brazil, and she lost that fight uh, pretty decisively. I mean, that was when Claudia was really tearing shit up back then. And... Uh, kind of struggled with activity for a two uh, year or two and then fought Courtney Casey last year at UFC 211 
and uh, lost that fight by unanimous decision as well. Um, so uh, Jessica Aguilar was is kind of, seems like she's kind of struggling with uh, her size at, at this weight class. I mean, uh, she did very well in uh, Bellator and World Series of Fighting. And they have, uh, you know, sm smaller girls, maybe not cutting as much weight. But uh, in the UFC, you know, girls go pretty pretty hard in the paint with cutting weight. And, you know, J Courtney Casey is just massive. She's like 5'8 and looks like 140, 150 in the cage when she's fighting. And she weighs in at 115 somehow. So, I mean, I can see. And, again, Claudia Gadelia is a hugely physical fighter as well. So, uh, Aguilar seems like uh, she's kind of struggling with size. But she has a much more uh, equally sized opponent in this one. Jody Escobar, uh, a former uh, Adam weight, actually. Only uh, only five one uh, is uh, Jody uh, making. She made her debut against uh, Carolina Kovacavich last year. Super super tough uh, debut. I mean, as tough as it as it gets. She was uh, uh you know not dominated in that fight, uh, but she was beaten very decisively by uh, Car Carolina. Uh, you know, but was able to go to decision with one of the best fighters in the in the strawweight division. So uh, that's a, a win within itself. Uh, Escobar is also a, a pro boxer. Uh, her record stands at seven seven and one. But uh, you know, uh, seems like uh, her her striking is definitely her uh, her best aspect in this one. While uh, Aguilar's uh, grappling uh, grappling is um, you know kind of been struggling in the UFC against these uh, bigger girls, but. That's definitely where her, her, her game is, is to take down and to grind and to try to maybe maybe go for a submission. Um, she does have a lot of wins by decision and submission. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, so that we could be, a, we could be a, a grappler versus striker matchup in this one. But, um, you know, uh, with uh, uh, Jessica Aguilar coming into the UFC as a pretty hype prospect and her losing her first couple fights... We uh, might see the odds uh, go the other way on this one. Well, it's uh, currently uh, almost that evens in this one. Jessica Aguilar is minus 110. She actually opened at minus 215. So the money is coming in a lot on Jody Escobar. Uh, people definitely think that she uh, might... Uh, the. the the people are giving a, a better shot than the, the uh, opening odds makers did. So this should be a, a decent uh, strawweight fight. And uh, that's all for that one. Moving on to the Fox Sports prelims. We have Desmond Green taking on Gleison Chibau. Uh, Gleison Chibau is a very seasoned fighter. Uh, pr uh, you know, as seasoned as they come. Um, so he was 16-2 and two when he came in the UFC. And he is now... 33 and 13 wow so uh well over 20 fights in the ufc i'm trying to trying to figure out how many he had he had 18 and now he has 46 so he has 28 ufc fights this will be his 29th um uh he's uh tested positive uh for some some uh ethropope ethropotein uh whatever that is uh it's oh epo um, so he tested positive for EPO against uh, Abel Trujillo in 2015. Had his first fight back uh, against Islam Makachev last year. Uh, was somehow a, a favorite in that fight, I believe. Let me double check, though. And got knocked out in the first round. No, no, no. He was an underdog, excuse me. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he closed as an opened and closed as an underdog. But, um, so my mistake on that one. Uh, but, uh, Gleison Tebow opened, or, or he is now at plus 265. 
Desmond Green is at minus 295. Um, Desmond Green opened at uh, minus 185. So it seems like people are betting uh, Green down pretty heavily. I'm pretty confident in this one. Uh, I mean, I would be too. I wouldn't lay the chalk on him at minus 295. It could be worth it at minus 185 if I got him at openers, but definitely not uh, not right now. Uh, I mean, t is pretty shot, but I just don't trust uh, Green too much, you know. Uh, he's a pretty small, lightweight. Um, he got dominated in his last fight uh, against a, a very, very heavy uh, Michael Pizer Michelle Pizarris. Um, Michel Pizarro missed weight by a huge amount of weight. He missed the the require or the preferred uh, weight that you weigh the next day after missing weight, and uh, Green still fought him anyway, though. So pretty ballsy for you know to to do that. But I mean, it, it's probably more in the aspect that he wanted to get paid instead of balls, you know. And he's not really doing it out of uh, any courage. He's kind of just doing it because he, he needed to get paid. He didn't come to Brazil to make weight to not fight. So, lost that fight. Also lost his last fight against uh, Rustam Kabilov, but uh, he uh, won his first fight in the UFC against Josh Emmett. So, that's a, won a split decision, but as we learned, Josh Emmett is a pretty, uh, pretty legit contender. But, um, I believe Emma took that fight on short notice, and it was at lightweight, and he has since dropped down too. So uh, Desmond Green uh, is should win this fight, but I'm definitely not as confident uh, as him uh, as minus three hundred, and um, and I don't think T Bow is worth the the money at plus two sixty five either. So this fight is a total pass on this one. Uh, next fight we have Bilal Muhammad taking on Chance Recounter. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, a uh, Muslim fighter, and uh, is currently in Ramadan. And uh, he's training during Ramadan. A lot of Muslim fighters don't accept fights for a three-month period around Ramadan because they are fasting and they can't eat during the day. But uh, Bilal Muhammad is a savage and said, fuck it, uh, I'm still fighting. He has done this before, and he's won fights before. He is just, you know, structures his training by training at night somehow or, you know, uh, you know, sleeping during the day and, uh, you know, it must be super, super difficult. I mean, cause think, you know, it, all right. So you can maybe do a little bit of training during the day. Uh, but I mean, you can't drink, I don't think you can drink water. So, I mean, maybe he makes some exceptions for water during the day. Like if he's training, like to get some light training in and then, but then he, once the sun goes down, it's eight o'clock, you got to eat a meal. Like right away, you're fucking starving all day. And then you got to digest for a little, and then you can maybe work out. But he must be, if he's doing that, he must be starting training hard training at 10 p.m. and he's got to get training partners he's got to get his coaches he's got to get all these like all these different bodies to to come out to the gym at a, a later time it must be super super hard to structure this shit and uh it must take a lot of commitment and possibly money on his end to make this shit work so interesting that he does it uh never nevertheless uh so uh he uh blah muhammad's a pretty pretty legit fighter himself 13 and 2 three wins in a row um be Randy Brown, Jordan Meehan, and Tim Means, so pretty pretty good competition as well. His only losses in the UFC come to uh, very very good competition in Alan Joban and Vincent Luque. So uh, Blah uh, Muhammad is a gigantic favorite in this fight against Chance Recountry. Uh, this fight was supposed to be against uh, Nico Price, but unfortunately Nico Price uh, pulled out on May 22nd, so they only had uh, like uh, 
10, 10 or 11 days to fill in on this one. So uh, luckily, the fight still uh, remained on the car. But uh, a gentleman by the name of Chance Recountre, Rec uh, I'm going to pull up his uh, fightology page so I can uh, see what is... Uh, his uh his record stand twelve all right, so he's twelve and two. He is coming he's uh fought in Bell Tour a good amount of times and uh let me see, let me see uh what kinds of opponents he's fought. Um Wow, he says he says this guy uh, seems to be a pretty pretty legit prospect. He's the number one ranked welterweight in the southwest right now, so that's pretty pretty legit. Um he uh yeah he is a it was a cha was a champion in uh in his C three fights whatever that is that really doesn't hold much uh much value considering I never heard of the promotion but uh yeah so I mean it's gonna be a tough task to take on uh, Bilal Muhammad on short notice like this but um definitely not like the uh, an unwinnable fight for anybody um but the the odds currently stand at Blah muhammad minus 380 he opened up uh minus 400 so it doesn't seem like anyone is really confident enough to lay the chalk on him at uh 80 percent implied probability but uh people might even be uh betting a little bit on uh chances uh recount trades but it doesn't seem like any uh any uh, action is coming in on this fight at all so uh, next fight we have uh, Nick Lentz taking on David Tamer, uh, one of the one of the best matchups on the card, I believe. Uh, Nick Lentz is a very scrappy uh, fighter. Uh, you know, he won his last fight against Will Brooks, uh, was able to snatch a, a guillotine on a takedown from Brooks and uh, get the tap from him. Um, you know, uh, he he most of his fights come by way of decision uh, or sub, uh, submission been in the UFC for a very long time um but uh doesn't really have too much in the striking department just kind of relies on scrambles and wrestling and uh jiu-jitsu to win his fights and uh David Tamer uh, his opponent is a extremely uh high level striker 39 and 2 kickboxing record he's a it's a, Moit, a Swedish Muay Thai national champion uh Nordic uh, Muay Thai national champion he's got crazy uh Muay Thai skills great Muay Thai fights on YouTube um, he uh, went through the Ultimate Fighter, uh, was able to win two fights before he uh, lost to Martin Warcheck. Uh, hasn't lost uh, since the, uh, since that fight though. He's uh, gone two and zero in the UFC against uh, Drakkar Close and Lando Venata. Two oh, again two uh, pretty good strikers, especially good MMA strikers. So um, Tamer is very very good. Uh, he's really adapted his striking well to MMA. But uh, I imagine this fight, he's going to uh, uh, Nick Lentz is going to try to get him to the ground and try to turn it into a wrestling match. So it'll be interesting to see uh, David Tamer's uh, takedown defense in this one. And uh, Tamer currently stands at minus two ninety in this fight. Nick Lentz at plus two sixty. I think that Nick Lentz, there might be some value in Nick Lentz at there uh, for sure at that at that price. Uh, he was a massive underdog against uh, Nick Will Brooks for some reason, and I remember betting on him in that fight. Uh, yeah, so he closed at yeah plus three hundred in that, at that fight. Um, so pretty crazy that uh, he was that much of an underdog against Will Brooks, who's just terrible. Um, so uh, this this is gonna be a good fight, and uh, I I'm looking forward to this one uh, a lot. It's probably uh, my most uh, most fascinating matchup. Um, so uh, moving along, we have uh, 
on Sidar Eubanks taking on Lauren Murphy. Sidar Eubanks is two and two uh, in the UFC. Um, she went three and zero on the UFC on the uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but uh, I wonder why she must have gotten hurt. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's right. She she got hurt uh, kidney failures. So she was supposed to fight Nico Montano for the belt at uh, the t- Tough Twenty Six finale, but she had uh, kidney failure while trying to make weight and was replaced. So kidney failure while you're making weight usually means you're cutting too much weight or something bad is going on. So this fight is again a flyweight, so it's kind of kind of interesting. I don't believe she missed weight because I didn't see any uh, news about missing weight. Although uh, there, I didn't see much news about this card at all, it seems to be flying under the radar a lot, uh, even by MMA media uh, standpoint. You know, I didn't see like, any tweets about making weight besides the main event fighters who both made weight. Um, but uh, she's taken on Lauren Murphy, who is uh, a very tough. Uh, uh, w- women's competitor, a ten and three, very uh, accomplished uh, uh, fighter. She'd been in the UFC and in Invicta for a, a long time. Two and three in the UFC, losing to pretty stiff competition like Sarah McMahon, Liz Carmouche, and Caitlin Chukagin. And uh, but she won her last fight against Bob uh, Barb Honchak. Is uh, just a really tough fighter. Is able to take a lot of damage and still you know uh, win a decision somehow, or uh, you know and uh, just. Uh, embrace a really grindy fight so i imagine that this fight is going to be uh very uh sprawl or you know, very uh um s- not scramble excuse me couldn't couldn't get that word out scramble oriented uh, a lot of jujitsu and takedowns going to be going on in this one and uh, i think eubanks should be able to get the win in this one uh, and uh, the odds are currently standing at Sijar Eubanks at minus 165 and uh, Murphy plus 155. Pretty uh, pretty close uh, odds going on in that one. So I don't I uh, think that uh, that's a pr- pretty accurate where that that line stands right now. As I look over on five dimes, they are currently releasing all of the props for the the fights this weekend. So I'll uh, have to take a look at those uh, in the. In the, in the future and not uh, you know at the end of the episode and uh yeah look ball Bilal muhammad is uh yeah no i'll save these for save these for later and i'm, I'm trying to take my eyes off them because they just they literally just popping up on uh five dimes as i speak but um so the next fight in this, uh, we got uh, moving on to the main card, six fight in main card, uh, starting at 10 p.m. So this will be a late one. Uh, John Vellante taking on Sam Alvey, two kind of crazy uh, brawl-oriented uh, guys at uh, light heavyweight. Uh, Sam Alvey recently moved up to 185 and uh, secured his first win against Martin Pracino. Weird fight, uh, you know. Uh, Pacino had awful, awful defense. It was just like walking in with his hands down, and Alvi just knocked him out cold. So, not much, uh, not much to say in that performance because Pacino looks so terrible. And um, Volante uh, won his last fight against Francisco Barroso by decision. Super boring fight, just like terrible uh, slop fest on the ground, like always. Uh, you know, Vlante's fights are either going to be dis- boring decisions with a lot of wrestling or an early knockout in the, the first or second. So, 
I think uh, Sam Alvey has a good chance of getting this one done, and, and, and probably in the first round. Volante is always there to be hit. He's always there, uh, willing to trade. And uh, the odds currently have it at, at Alvey minus 140, Volante plus 130. Uh, you know that seems pretty accurate. Uh, I, w I don't. I wouldn't bet on either of this. Uh, maybe on the under in this fight, but definitely not on anything besides that because these guys are just so low level. It's not really worth uh, laying in chalk at. Next fight we have Julio Arch or Archie taking on Daniel Tamer, brother of David Tamer, uh, on this card. Uh, Julio's last fight was against Dan Inge, in which he uh, won that fight by decision. Uh, he's also, uh, you know, uh, he's a Ring of Combat uh, veteran. Uh, was a champion. Was the featherweight champion in Ring of Combat. Um, uh, fought uh, Brian Kelleher in that promotion. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was also on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He has won uh, six, six fights in a row, um, three of them by, uh, or two of them by finish, excuse me, four by decision. And uh, his opponent, he's, uh, Daniel Tamer, uh, lost his last fight against Dan, uh, Dan, Danny Henry. He was dominating the first half of the fight and just totally gassed out and lost the latter half. Um, Daniel Tamer, not as high level as his brother. Seems like he's kind of riding off his brother's name, and, and uh, that's the reason why he's on the roster. So, uh, Arch seems like a pretty safe bet in this one. Minus 200. Might even be a little bit of value there. Uh, Daniel Tamer, plus 185. Uh, I expect uh, Arch to win a decision and uh, maybe look to take Tamer down and, uh, uh, you know, negate his striking skills um next fight tough fight to pick because man these guys are shot jake ellenberger versus ben saunders both of these guys are past their retirement point ben saunders lost his last fight against alan joban got knocked out lost his last fight before that by uh tko against peter sabata and uh jake ellenberger uh doing a little bit better than him but uh not by much um uh, was able to win a fight against Matt Brown uh, two years ago, but uh, also got knocked out in his last two fights by Mike Perry, knocked out cold, and uh, TKO by uh, Jorge Masvidal. So, um, uh, you know, both these guys are, you know, like I said, struggling. Um, Ellenberger's a better striker than Saunders. Saunders is a better grappler than Ellenberger, but Saunders' wrestling is not very good. And, But, I mean, uh, and Jake Ellenberger is also a wrestler himself. So, I think uh, at this point in their career, I think Ellenberger seems a little more motivated. He's training with uh, better training partners, you know, Brian Ortega, Cub Swanson, TJ Dillashaw, and uh, I'm sure Ben Saunders is also training, uh, you know, with some uh, solid guys, but uh, just doesn't seem like uh, it seems like Saunders is uh, taking more damage. I don't know. Both of them have gotten knocked out a lot recently. Uh, at the odds currently, we got minus one ninety Jake Ellenberger plus one seventy five Ben Saunders. So uh, you know, I don't really. I see this fight going to decision. I don't see either of them really. Uh, I don't know, man. Both of them are so sloppy. It could be a decision. It could be a quick finish. I don't really have a prediction for this fight at all. Besides. Uh, I think Jake Ellenberger is going to win a uh, decision, but not really confident in it at all. Uh, next fight, we got um, Walt Harris taking on uh, Daniel Spitz. Uh, Daniel Spitz making his UFC date. No, no, no. No, he's not. Um, he has two fights in the UFC already. Walt Harris lost his last fight by DQ. That fight was bullshit, though. Like That was when he kicked the gentleman in the ear and... Uh, 
who got disqualified from that fight somehow. And his fight before that was a short notice fight against Fabricio Verdum. He got squashed in that one by armbar a minute into the fight, but not really anything unexpected there. And, uh, you know, he was beating Mark Godby on the feet until he uh, illegally head kicked him, as they say. Not really illegally. He kicked him in the ear. Um, but, I mean, pretty bad judgment throwing that, that kick so close anyway. But um, Walt Harris should be able to get the W pretty easily in this one. Uh, Daniel Spitz uh, is 1-1 uh, one one in the UFC. Has a win over uh, Anthony Hamilton. Not much. Not saying much. He, he's lost three fights in a row by TKO and a loss uh, by decision to Mark Godbeer. So um, this fight uh, is very low level. Uh, very low level heavyweight. It sucks that it's this high on the main card. They love putting this shit on the main card. Like terrible fights. Uh, a terrible heavyweight fight. They just throw it on there. They should have put like uh, Brooks versus Torres on the main card or something better than this. Maybe Tamer and Arch, but um, maybe that that is in the main. Yeah, that is in the main card. Um, or Nick Lance and uh, David Tamer. That would have been a good one to be on the main card. But this fight, uh, definitely not too exciting. Walt Harris mi minus two fifty five right now. Daniel Spitz plus two thirty five. Seems about right. Uh, you know, uh, obviously the heavyweight factor over any fight can end at any time. But I'll probably be avoiding that one. Maybe taking the under if it's any anything good priced. Uh, Co-main event we have Gregor Gillespie, a very high level. Uh, I guess you could call him a prospect. He's only has eleven fights uh, currently. Uh, Four and zero in the UFC. Three three by the way of finish, uh, beating Anthony or Andrew Holbrook, Jason Gonzalez, and Jordan Rinaldi. And he is taking on Vince Peichel, who is four and one in the UFC. Uh, three decisions, one uh, knockout. Uh, He's beat Joaquim Silva, Damian Brown, and uh, lost to uh, Rustam Kabilov. This guy's a pretty uh, aggressive finisher. He's a brown belt in uh, jiu-jitsu. He's, uh, you know, Gillespie's a pretty pretty uh, high-level guy himself. He's very, he's a Division One wrestler. He's uh, Most of his uh, wins come by, by, by way of submission. Um, so he's a very high-level uh ground specialist himself so this fight is going to be is going to be good uh it's uh Pichel is no slouch and you know they're definitely it seems like they're trying to they gave uh Gillespie some easy fights so far and it seems like they may be stepping up his competition a little bit on this one but uh this one this fight should be a good fight uh I mean Gillespie is still very heavily favored minus 380 but I mean there might be a little value in Pichel plus th plus 340 um, you know, he's not really proven, uh, Gillespie is not really, uh, proven enough to, uh, against a high, higher level competition like Peichel himself. So I think this is going to be a good fight. And, uh, you know, uh, I obviously think Gillespie is a uh, favorite to win, but, uh, I don't think that, I think there might be a little value of plus 380 on Vince Peichel. And in the main event, we have another uh, another st very strategic matchup ahead of us, I believe, we're, uh, we're in for. Uh, might not be the most exciting fight, but it's going to be uh, de definitely very technical. 21-1, uh, uh, Jimmy Rivera uh, is taking on um, Marlon Marias, who is 20-5. Uh, Marlon Marias uh, is 3-0 in the UFC, former World Series of Fighting, uh, Bantamweight champion, just insane uh, record in W uh, uh, World Series of Fighting. He was you know something like like twelve or thirteen and zero in uh, in that promotion. Uh, so uh, and then he uh, made his uh, debut against Asuncao, lost that fight under the scorecards. Although uh, the media had uh, 
and you know uh, uh, fan scorecards as well had uh, Marias winning that one uh, was able to split decision John Dodson and then was able to knock out uh, Aljamain Sterling so um, uh, Marias is off to a, a pretty good start in the UFC Jimmy Rivera uh, also has some pretty legit UFC wins uh, beating Marcus Brimage, Pedro Munoz, Yuri Alcantara, Uriah Faber and Thomas Almeida so I mean, very legit competition. He's already beaten so far. Uh, you know, uh, his he Jimmy Rivera's problem is that he gets dropped a lot. He has gotten dropped uh, seven times in his career. Uh, you know, as far from getting dropped by jabs to you know, you know, slightly landing punches. He his chin is a little bit suspect. So uh, I think that I think that uh, you know that could definitely play a factor in this fight. Marlon Morales is a very explosive heavy hitter. He's uh, been training to go to the the distance, the five round distance, uh, way way longer than uh, Jimmy Rivera has. I mean, he's been fighting. He's been fighting for the belt since March of 2014. So he was training three years straight for five rounds, and I doubt really much changed after uh, you know step coming up to the UFC. I'm sure he still is training uh, insane uh, and an insane pace. I mean, he trains with Henzo Gracie and. Uh, uh, Ricardo Almeida out in New Jersey, New York, with Frankie Edgar and um, uh, um, Edson Barbosa. You know, tons of high-level guys out there. Really high-level wrestling. Uh, he's got good, a very good takedown defense, and uh, also very elite, powerful striking too. Uh, good gas tank. Uh, I think that that Jimmy uh, Marlon Moraes is more proven in uh, longer fights. Uh, you know, uh, Rivera has, uh, uh, you know, gone five rounds multiple times before and trained for it a good amount. Uh, he's fought in uh, CFFC uh, uh, for uh, scheduled for four or five rounds. He fought in Bellator, King of the Cage, scheduled for uh, five rounds. So, uh, or th only three rounds in Bellator. But, um, so he's definitely got experience with it. Uh, you know, this is going to be a very close matchup. Uh, the odds currently stand at minus 110, Jimmy Rivera, plus 100, Marlon Marias. I don't. I think it might be a little too close to bet on uh, from from the jump. I think uh, maybe it's best to see. It's going to be best to see after a couple of rounds of live betting, but um, very interesting matchup. I think Marias is going to win this one. Uh, I'm, you know, it's very likely to go to decision because they're both uh, very high level, equally skilled guys. But there's a chance these guys could uh, maybe uh, throw down and you know chase a finish, which I think Marias would be more likely to get the finish. But um, looking forward to the main event. It should be like a, a chess match style fight, uh, and uh, you know might but might be boring, but you know it's very high level. So uh, looking forward to this. A uh, lot of you know pretty good matchups on the card. Uh, like I said, Nicolens versus Tamer should be good. Brooks versus Torres should be good. Uh, Gillespie Peichel should be good, and uh, Rivera Marias should be good as well. And you know there's also some interesting uh, you know filler fights. We got Gleison Tebow and Sam Alvey and Volante. Uh, Walt Harris, uh, Ben Sander, you know, some, some good, good names on this card. Uh, I think this card is maybe a seven, 7.5 out of 10. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow night. All right. So after taking a look at the, uh, the new odds that just came in, all the props were just released, uh, man, props getting released a day before the event. We're at a dark, dark time in, uh, betting days. So uh, the only only uh, bets that interest me so far are uh, the props wise. We're gonna go with uh, Ellenberger by decision. 
plus 412. I got that at Lens by submission plus 1275. And uh, the, the over on Ben Saunders and uh, Jake Allenberg at plus 102. Uh, I think that, uh, again, Nick Lens might be worth uh, some, some money at uh, plus 260. And uh, I believe that, um, let's see, uh, who is... Uh, Vince Peichel uh, plus 340 might not pull the trigger on Peichel at 340 yet but um and then uh you know uh for parlays wise I think that uh Blah Muhammad uh Julio Ark are very safe bets and um let's see uh uh, Nathaniel Wood uh, also, uh, you know, so, and, and also uh, J- Jose Torres minus 165, although he's making his promotional debut, I think that's still a good line, so definitely a lot of good spots in this card, uh, I'll be uh, looking to maybe uh, play some more wagers on that as we go on, or as the, you know, uh, fights creep up a little bit closer, but uh, we'll, uh, that's enough for this card, uh, like I said, looking forward to the card, and um, we're going to move on to just some uh, general news in the, from the UFC this week. Uh, after discussing Ray Borg's future last week, uh, I, th- I thought it was very unlikely that he would be fighting anytime soon. Uh, actually, the, like, the pretty much the day after I think I, I said that, or the day of, uh, Ray Borg actually said that he was going home. So I think he was at some special hospital for his uh, son to get treatment at, and uh, him and his wife and his son are on their way home. And it seems like his son is in a stable condition for now. So uh, awesome to hear that, and uh, maybe that means Ray Borg will get in the octagon sometime this year too. So, uh, the other uh, news we have uh, Michael Bisping officially retiring this week after you know you know speculating that he was going to retire, speculating that he might have another fight, uh, saying that he's retired now. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it seemed like he was just thinking about fighting again. So I can't believe that he would just decide to give it up and uh, maybe not you know go out on that loss. I don't, I don't think that. Uh, I don't know. I think that Bisping, this might not be an official retirement. It's very likely he could come back to fight in you know Bellator. He could get signed back to the UFC in a year, and uh, do one more fight, something like that. But uh, you know the 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 reception that his retirement got, I thought was kind of crazy. People were praising him like he was some all time great in the UFC. Yes, he was a UFC champion, but let's remember how he won that championship. He was ranked like. 15th or something no no not that high he was probably ranked like eighth at the time uh and um you know he somehow get he uh, chris weidman gets injured on uh maybe 11 days notice or something like that and um and uh, Michael Bisping gets the, uh, the 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 call to to fill in for Chris Weidman and fight Luke Rockhold to rematch Luke Rockhold in the fight where he got squashed the first time. So uh, let me type in. Let me see what he was ranked at the time. So he was. Uh, I, I mean, it was so it was so crazy that he even got this title shot in the first place. So uh, I don't th- I don't think it's gonna say his rank anywhere. Um, but I mean, it it was it was bizarre by by uh by every de- definition of the word. He he somehow pulls off he pulls off the upset by you know he 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 did have a legitimate win in that fight. Um, Luke Rockhold looked very mediocre. He timed uh, his counter to you know some you know bullshit, uh, and then he threw his left hook and ended up catching Rockhold and finishing him to win the belt. So it was a crazy crazy fight. That was a crazy moment. 
but uh, I don't think it classifies him as some all-time great or anything like that. Uh, I mean, he arguably lost his next fight again against like, a 42, 43-year-old Dan Henderson, uh, was gifted that decision at home. Uh, and I think that fight could have been a draw or something like, uh, it was, it was just razor, razor thin. Uh, and then he's, you know, obviously dropped the belt to, J uh, to Bisping. He lost to, uh, um, a Gaslam, but I mean, that doesn't really define him. He did a lot. He went through the uh, ultimate fighter. He was a pretty big pioneer for, uh, UK martial mixed martial arts and, uh, was, you know, always around, always had a personality. So he was uh, obviously a great fighter, a great addition to the UFC roster, but I thought the, the reaction and the response he got from his retirement was a little, uh, overrated, honestly. Um, uh, other stories in the week we have, um, you know, obviously the backlash of Darren Till and uh, Wonderboy Thompson is, uh, you know, a very discussed, uh, a rematch possibly discussed, but I don't really think that happens. I think when the, that fight was so boring, uh, I don't think that it's very likely they make a rematch anytime soon. Um, and I, it's interesting to see what Darren Till's future holds. You know, he might go to uh, move up to uh, 185. He might keep trying to cut down to 170. But, you know, his future is kind of in limbo right now. Um, so, uh, you know, I would definitely be uh, interested to see if he if he decides what he's going to do next. Um you know, he, he said that he wants to rematch Wonder Boy in America, but I, like I said, I just can't see that happening. It's it's very unlikely. And um, uh, so uh, moving on, we have uh, Belts for 200 happened this uh, past uh, weekend. Uh, Gegaro Musasi was able to defeat Rafael Carvalho. Um, but I believe he finished him. Uh, I did not watch it, unfortunately, to, to win the uh, middleweight title. Yeah, he finished him in the first round. Michael Page squashing some bum, uh, some cab driver again. Phil Davis landing some uh, nice head kick on uh, uh, Linton Vassal. Uh, Anastasia Yanakova got dominated in her performance. That kind of upset me. Um, Conor McGregor's boy Charlie Ward won his fight and called out 50 Cent for talking shit on Conor. That was kind of comical. Uh, one thing I saw reported was saying that their numbers drew like record lows again, like some 500,000. And I knew the, the last Bellator event, they said the same shit. It's like, oh, Bellator drew 400 and some thousand. And I was like, wait a minute, Fedor was on that card. There's no way they drew that little couple of days later they come out oh it peaked at 1.3 million or something like that so they released these preliminary numbers of how many people were or the average people who are watching live and then a couple days later they released like the the dvr numbers and the uh the peak numbers were like you know obviously during the main event uh that's going to be the peak so same thing happened here they they released it was at 500,000 and then a couple of days later they released the peak was at like eight or nine hundred thousand so it's the same peak that they're used to, uh, you know, for nothing special, Giger Musasi. Although he's a very high-level uh, fighter, and we all know him, it doesn't mean he's going to draw numbers. Um, so, uh, also news, uh, a little bit of rumors, or not rumors, but just chatter about the UFC 225 pay-per-view coming up next week. Um, where uh, Alistair Overeem was a little bit uh, kind of confused on you know why he's on the prelims and CM Punk is on the main card. We'll talk about that later and uh, yeah, next week and uh, discuss that more uh, more uh, uh, you know in depth. And uh, let's see what else uh, you know. Uh, 
Joseph Benavidez also kind of vo- voicing his displeasure about the fact that he's number one contender. He's you know fighting Sergio, Sergio Pettis for the number pretty much, or maybe the next uh, title shot after uh, homeboy uh, Henry Cejudo. They, he might even fight Henry Cejudo next, the winner of this fight. And this fight is buried on the fight pass prelim. So a lot of uh, re- reason for concern there, honestly. Uh, it seems kind of stupid for uh, them to have that fight on the fight pass prelims, but who knows? They they have the they have their own uh, you know justifications or everything. Uh, not really much uh, in, in terms of uh, new fights being announced or breaking news. You know, I'm scrolling through all the news right now, and you know nothing's really catching my eye. Um, we had uh, Nick Diaz allegedly get a. Uh, 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 arrested for some domestic violent uh, assault, but uh, his manager or friend or you know whatever value that holds says it's some stalker girl who has been like harassing and calling him like a thousand times, and he had to change his phone number, and she shows up like everywhere he goes, and some altercation with her where I don't know he beat the shit out of her or something. So uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like much reason to to talk about it or anything like that. Not much is really coming about it. It seems more of uh, some exaggerated story at this point. Let's see. We have Lando Venata facing Jakar Close. Uh, David Tamer's past two losses are now facing one another. UFC 226. That should be a pretty good uh, s- uh, striking fight. Um, uh, let's uh, see what else. I, I really don't think I can... Uh, uh, let's see. Clay Guida versus Charlie's, Charles Oliveira. UFC 225. Uh, he replaced an injured Bobby Green. So... I guess that's an interesting fight um but like i said i'm i'm, I'm just kind of n- not really talking about much here so i won't i won't uh, continue dragging it on uh that's going to be all the news for uh this week uh it's going to be uh, all of the the podcast for this week uh probably only standing around like an hour hour and 15 i think so uh definitely shortened it up compacted it a little bit uh hope uh hope you all enjoyed the podcast hope you uh enjoyed last week's card i hope uh, everybody uh has a has a good weekend and also enjoys ufc utica this weekend and ladies gentlemen boys girls aliens martians any conscious being tuning into the podcast i thank you for tuning into episode 20 of martian mma and i will catch you guys next week before ufc 225 peace